Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. You've probably never heard the name of Vasily Arkakov. I haven't. Um, and yet without this man, without the choices he made, not many of us, if any of us, would be here today where we are. And so what did he do? Like, wh- why is that? Well, back on October 27th, 1962, I was four months old to the day. And what I didn't know and what no one knew except for a handful of people were there, there were these four Russian submarines on a secret mission off the coast of Florida. The Americans finally found them and encircled them and began dropping uh, non-lethal death charges on them. The air conditioning on these Russian subs was not working. The temperatures, they said, rose to about 49 degrees Celsius. There were three weeks they were at sea, these men. They were hot, they were tired, and they're growing anxious with this onslaught of death charges falling all around him. The Russians were unaware. What are the Americans up to? Why are they doing this? What are are their intentions? With all these explosions going on, they thought they had entered World War III. Finally, the captain of these four subs lost his cool. He's hot. He's troubled. He's anxious. And he gives the command to attack. What the Americans didn't know, and what I haven't mentioned to you yet, was each one of these Russian submarines was equipped with a nuclear warhead. Each one of these missiles was capable of a Hiroshima-like explosion. The Americans also did not know the captain and the officers of these submarines had uh, received permission to launch them at their own discretion. They didn't have to wait for Moscow to give the okay. So Vasily Arkhipov was a 36-year-old chief of staff for the secretive fleet of Russian submarines. And when the captain who lost his cool said, we're going to launch, we're going to launch, we're going we're to begin World War III, Vasily asked for a moment with him. The two men stepped aside, and Vasily urged his supervisor to reconsider. He suggested, let's surface and let's talk to the Americans and see What's happening? What's their intentions before we react and launch all these nuclear missiles? The captain listened. His anger cooled. And he actually gave the orders for the subs to surface. Vasily Arkhipov was the calm in an anxious storm. And it was his calmness which prevented world devastation. This incredible brush with global devastation was kept secret for decades. Arkhipov deserved the medal, and yet the rest of his life he received no recognition for what he had done. It was not until 2002 that the public learned of this barely, this, this, this near escape of global catastrophes. catastrophes. And as the director of national security said, the lesson from this event is the guy named Vasily Arkhipov saved the world. He just remained calm in the middle of the storm. And why does that story matter to us today? Well, you are not going to spend three weeks 
and a submarine with no air conditioning. But I've talked with people even this week who are negotiating a very heavy load of stress at work. I have spoken with people who are experiencing family tra tragedies. I've spoken with people who are dealing with the realities of lost jobs, challenging financial struggles, aging and ill parents that they can't see. And with this year of COVID restrictions and, and really not really seeing a light at the end of the tunnel just yet, we are so tempted just to say we're going to attack and we're going to press the bomb. We're going to press the button. Not a nuclear bomb, not a nuclear attack, but with a rash of accusations or with fiery uh, retaliation of hurtful words because we lost control. When we were anxious, we run the risk of lashing out and ca causing damage in all of our relationships. Marriages are destroyed. In fact, we're seeing the tension in marriages over this year. Families are devastated. Friendships are ruined. We become so anxious, so overwhelmed that we give ourselves command to launch an attack. Just like this nuclear disaster was, uh, that nearly happened back in 1962, I wonder how many disasters were avoided. How many disasters have been avoided in your own life because someone chose to remain calm in the middle of a storm? One cho person chose to be calm instead of catastrophic. Catastrophic. David's going to edit that in. Catastrophic. Because I can't pronounce multi-syllable words. Why do I try? <laughs> well, put, put it in there. That's okay. I'm humble. I know Dave puts me up here, but really, I'm just... It's this sort of calm, this kind of composure, the Bible summons us to be as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, our scripture text today in Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Can I just read that again? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. We are to be, as Christians, contagiously calm. And the Greek word, you know, if you're interested, describes the word for gentleness. Is, it describes the temperament of a person who is seasoned and mature. Uh, a seasoned and matured person is, is steady and, and level-headed. The opposite would be the person who panics and overreacts at every situation, especially that, in anxious situations. And the Bible says, no, let, let the gentleness we have, and we're going to learn how we can have that today, this calmness that we can have, this stead, steadiness that we can have, this level-headedness, let it be evident for all. Because there will be people around you who are anxious for everything. And you can be anxious for nothing. We love being around those kind of people, aren't don't we? Those who have that calmness. Um, you, you know the kind of person when everything seems to come apart, when pressure is overwhelming, when the odds are stacked up against you, and this person comes along and just reassures you saying, it's okay. God's got this. He's in control. We're going to get through this with him. And we love being around those kind of people. We, we want to be with them. We want to be like them. They settle us down. They tell us it's going to be all right. And this person who carries a spirit of calmness has a faith. And just as fear is contagious, so is faith. Faith tells us God has this. 
Faith says God's going to get us through this storm. So how does one, how do we become consciously calm? How do you catch it? <laughs> well, the Bible verse we quoted just moments ago tells us why? Because the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. These two things go hand in hand. Be calm. Be gentle. Why? How? Because the Lord is near. I can be calm because I know and I believe the Lord is near. And it's having this faith in that very truth which changes everything. For me, the problem we will experience in our seasons of anxiety and is we assume that God is not near or if he is near, he doesn't care. Do you remember when the disciples were out in the boat during that storm? Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples, their life is being threatened and they, they're, they're very fearful and they woke Jesus up. And do you remember what they asked him? Do you remember what the question they asked Jesus? Teacher, don't you care? If we drowned and some of, us, some of us feel that way, we think, well, okay, maybe God's near, but he doesn't care. You see, we interpret the presence of problems as the absence of God. That, that's something we fight and battle with. We interpret the presence of problems in our life as the absence of God. It's one of the most common mistakes we make. I have problems. I have storms. Therefore, God is not with me. And we begin to create this cycle of anxiety, this downward spiral where we believe if I have a problem, then if God's, he's not here, I'm going to have to do this on my own. I'm going to have to face this on my own. I'm going to have to fix this problem on my own. I have a problem. I have to fix it. I have a problem. I have to fix it. I have a problem. I have to fix it. And down we go to the depths of despair. And the lie from the enemy it tries to convince you that, that you're alone in this. He convinces you that you're not going to get better because you're not trying hard enough. And so we keep trying hard enough, working hard enough, trying to be better. Something is wrong with me and I need to work harder and try harder and harder. Again, it's much like Martha and Mary that we talked about last week. Like Martha's frantic, frantic, distracted and worried with so many things. And she's going harder and harder. And Mary just stopped, sat at the feet of Christ. And had peace. There is a time to work. There is a time to serve. There is a time to minister. But not at the expense of those moments where we must stop and connect. Because Jesus is near. He is the way. The Bible says he is the truth. And he is the life. He is the source of our peace. He is the source of us being calm. Can I give you a picture of how life often works for us, at least how we try to make it work? If this power bar could represent our lives, so many things that we need to plug into our lives to make it work, and these items just for the sake of argument will represent different things that we can plug into our life, things that we need to sustain life and to help us through life. And so we begin plugging them in.
we have one slot left to plug one more thing into. And what we do is, in our life, we try to fix things on our own. We try to do things on our own strength. And we take the plug and we plug it right back into here. And then we turn this on and wonder, why isn't this working? And we think, oh, we've got to try harder. So we try harder. We try over and over again. Just believe in yourself, believe in yourself. And all these things will work. But nothing happens. What we need to learn is not that we have to try harder, but we need to rely on Jesus Christ, who is the power source. And when we plug into him, everything then works. The key to being contagiously calm is to know and to believe that God is with you. My friend Lucy read that Bible reading earlier where we heard God say to us, can you hear it? Let's listen to it again. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Here's a fact. You can count on this. You will face deep waters. You will face, you will go through rivers of, rivers of difficulty. You will walk through the fire of oppression. But here's another fact you must believe and have faith in. God says in all of these things, I will be with you. We open up the Bible and we read so many stories where we come to learn God does not always prevent us from going through the storm, but he is with us in every storm. Look at those young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read about in Daniel chapter 3. They were thrown into a fiery furnace for worshiping God and not King Nebuchadnezzar. God did not deliver them from being thrown into the fire, but instead God was with them in the fire. We read this, but suddenly the next day after these guys are in the furnace, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. It was God. Three chapters later, the same king reluctantly threw Daniel into a den of hungry lions because he would worship God. The den was sealed with a stone so Daniel could not escape, nor could anyone rescue him. God did not deliver Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. Did you notice that? But God was right there with him in the lion's den. We read this in Daniel chapter 6. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you served so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. 
God is in the storm. He is in the fire. He is right there in the problem with you. Psalm 23, 4 says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, we know that Psalm. We probably, many of us can memorize that Psalm. But did you notice, even though, even though I walk through, do you see it? Even though I walk through, this is not saying, God, don't let me walk through the darkest valley. The scripture does not say, God, save me from the darkest valley. No, it's saying, even though I walk through this, even though I'm going through this, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. That's the key. That's the key. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The key part, the theme which runs through the scriptures is this. For you are with me. God is with you in the deep waters. God is with you in the rivers of difficulty. God is with you in the fire of oppression. God is with you in the den of devastation. God is with you in the darkest valley. God is with you is the theme of the Bible. To Abraham, to Abraham, he said, do not be afraid. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. To Hagar, the angel announced, do not be afraid. God has heard. When Isaac was expelled from his land by the Philistines and forced to move from place to place to place, God appeared to him and just reminded him, do not be afraid for I am with you. After Moses died, Joshua had to pick up the, the mantle to, to lead these people of Israel into the promised land. And what God said to Joshua was this, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Then in the ultimate declaration of communion, Jesus in Christ, Christ himself, who is called, is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He became one of us. God became one of us. He became even sin. He became, he defied the grave. He was victorious and he's still with us. And now in the form of his spirit, he comforts us. He teaches us and he convicts us. We read in John, Jesus said, and I'll ask the father and he'll give you another, another advocate. This is the Holy Spirit to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you. And he did that through the Holy Spirit who now dwells in those who believe. And follow Jesus. See, God is with you. God, even in the times where we fail, like God was with David in spite of his adultery. He was with Jacob in spite of the conspiring that he did in his life. He, he was with Elijah, Elijah, even when he was lacking and struggling in faith. When you face the battle, and you will face the battle, God says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty armor, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Do not assume God is watching from a distance. Do not assume that he has left you. Do not indulge in this lie from the enemy. Choose instead to be the person who clutches with both hands the presence of God in their life. Make Psalm 118.6 your, your life verse in the times of struggle and difficulty and anxiety. 
It says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So let that gentleness we can have, that calmness that we can have, be evident to all. How? Why? Because the Lord is with you. The Lord is near. And the only way you can find calm in the fire, the only way you will remain calm in the lion's den, the only way you can find calm in the battle, the only way you can find calm in the darkest valley is to fully surrender and trust God and believe He is with you. He's got this. You're going to make it. You're going to get through. Rely on Him. We want to go to our take two. I want you to spend this two minutes. Just if, if you have anxiety or worry or fear in your life that's crippling, that's not helpful, I wonder if you could take just be quiet before the Lord and realize that He is with you and talk to Him and listen to Him. And most of all, trust in Him that He is with you in this. And He will get you through. Can you just talk to Him for the next two minutes as we spend this time, this take-two time? was that two minutes did you draw near to God God says if you draw near to me I will draw near to you do you have the assurance that he is with you are you going to continue forward believing he is with you through the rivers of difficulty through the fires of oppression through the dark valley he is let me pray father no one can say what you can say I'm with you always no one has the ability the capability the power to say and follow through on what you tell us, I will be with you always. I am with you. And for that, God, we are grateful. For that, we want to plug into you and let you be the source of our life, that even when things are shaking, when things are falling around us, God, you will not fail. For you are with us. You're not far. You're not looking at us from a distance. You are here. 
And Lord, I pray that in those times of storm, let our calmness be evident to others. And we have that because you are near to us. So we don't have to be anxious because you got this. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.